This is Big Problems, an advice podcast. My name is David Chen. And I'm Stephen Tobolowski. And welcome to the show, ladies and gentlemen. If you're just tuning in for the first time, what we do here on Big Problems is we invite you to write into us at mail at bigproblemspodcast.com. That's mail at bigproblemspodcast.com. Uh, write in with any of your questions, and uh, you may get them answered by legendary character actor Stephen Tobolowski and me, David Chen. Uh, but I'm not legendary like Stephen is. Uh, David, David, what legend exactly is attached to me? I, I think legend in terms of your legendary ability to never turn down work. That's really what I'm referring to. <laughs> Stephen has, of course, appeared in over 200 TV shows and films and currently appears on Big Time in Hollywood, Florida on Comedy Central. And he's also a pretty smart dude. A lot of wisdom going on in there. And by there, I'm referring to your head. <laughs> So uh, anyway, a couple of ground rules. Firstly, uh, let us know whether we can refer to your full name or not. You're free to use a pseudonym when you write into us at mail at bigproblemspodcast.com. Try to be as specific as possible and just know that we may excerpt your email. Before we get into today's questions, though, Stephen, we've got a couple of announcements. Excellent. Firstly, uh, we want to thank all the people that have been downloading and listening to the show uh, again, you can find all episodes at BigProblemsPodcast.com. You can also find us at iTunes. We've been on the front page of iTunes for a few weeks now and have gotten a lot of new listeners that way. We're very grateful for the placement and for the new listeners. Uh, our request is uh, that if you enjoy the show, please go to our iTunes page and leave us a review or even a star rating. You, you can leave a star rating without leaving a review if uh, you are pressed for time, as I know many of our listeners are. Uh, so we'd ask that if you like the show, yeah, go and just uh, click a star rating or uh, write a couple sentences for us. We'd really appreciate it. Stephen, do you ever read any of the reviews of, of your work? No, David, I don't. <laughs> I try. You, you know, I, I used to always read reviews until I started reading reviews that uh, I have a terrible story. Uh, maybe we should save it for another time. But it was my birthday. I was directing a show in New York, and the people at the theater uh, – gave me a copy of the New York Sunday Times in which they wrote a think piece about me, Benedict Nightingale, in the Sunday art section. And they said, happy birthday. And they handed me the paper. And it was a think piece that completely tore me to pieces. Obviously, the people at the theater had not read the paper first. So from that point on, kind of reading reviews is like me eating uh, soft-shell crabs. I just turn into a werewolf if ever I start doing that, so I don't do it anymore. I see. Uh, well, I will read the reviews, <laughs> but <laughs> okay. Stephen won't, I think. Uh, and other people who are deciding whether or not to listen to us will also read the reviews. So yes. uh, we would really appreciate it if you go to iTunes and uh, leave us a review if you enjoy the show. Uh, that would help us out a great deal. One other announcement. This Sunday, April 26, 2015, uh, Stephen and I will be in Boston at the Independent Film Festival of Boston uh, to do a special screening of our film, The Primary Instinct. So if you're in Boston, uh, go to iffboston.org and buy tickets uh, to see The Primary Instinct. This is a special screening, our world premiere, uh, where all of our Kickstarter backers and all of our fans will get to watch the film with us, is going to be in May. 
Uh, but we have uh, this one-off special screening going on in Boston on April 26th. We hope uh, if you're in Boston, you can join us again. Buy tickets as soon as possible at iffboston.org. Stephen, you're about to do a lot of traveling to get to Boston, yeah? I'm doing a lot of traveling, and I have two cents to throw in here. I feel such an affinity to Boston because this is where we started the Tobo Files. When you were a student at Harvard University, David, I did my first Tobo Files live show at Harvard. I did my first big show at uh, the Brattle Theater in Cambridge. Yep, yep. So much history of, of the Tobolowski Files in Boston. So I would love to see all of my Boston friends and, and have a beer with everybody after uh, Primary Instinct. That would just be wonderful. That would be great. So if you're in Boston uh, on April 26th, go to iffboston.org and buy tickets for uh, the Primary Instinct as soon as you can. All right, guys, let's move on into this week's emails. Again, these come in at mail at bigproblemspodcast.com. Catherine writes in, I am a college student in Oklahoma going through some stereotypical young adult soul-searching problems. Growing up, I lived in a very Christian home, attending church several times a week, praying with my parents every night, and even going to a Christian school for a while. I did not resent this upbringing at all, as I had a very real personal spiritual life at the time that made me fully invested in these activities. It was always my intention to continue practicing and believing my faith in college. However, once I got here, my faith was quickly tested, even though I had not left my very Christian, conservative home state. I found that going to church was difficult, prayer was forced, and the strict ideas of right and wrong that I once had were loosening. This has been a very hard process, often making me feel doubt about the goodness of life and occasionally rather aggressive depression. While I have accepted my confusion somewhat, my parents are quite devastated that I'm questioning my beliefs, particularly my mother. Her attempts to talk to me about it are genuinely caused by deep caring, but they are honestly hurting my search for truth rather than helping. They make faith seem like an obligation instead of a choice and make me want to avoid asking the big questions that I need to. So I suppose my question has two parts. Number one, how should I handle my mom's concern? I don't want to hurt her and understand why she is upset, but she's not helping the situation. And number two, do either of you have advice about dealing with faith and doubt? What questions should I be asking? Who should I be talking to, etc.? Any words of wisdom would be greatly appreciated. Thank you for your time and hopefully your advice, end quote. Uh, so a question from Catherine about soul searching, about finding faith, uh, about a faith that differs from her, her parents potentially. Stephen, I think it might be a good idea to just uh, briefly explain what faith we currently subscribe to and, and our personal journeys with it. So why don't you start? Like, are you a religious person? I know you just celebrated uh, your first cedar, right? Or your first full cedar? It, it's called uh, uh, Seder, David. <laughs> Apologies. <laughs> cedar is a piece of wood. Seder is where you sit on wood for hours and do prayers and have dinner and sing songs. And it really can be quite uplifting. But yes, my background is I'm Jewish, and just to lump out the big sections of my life, I grew up in a Jewish home, but we were not observant Jews. We grew up in a very, very Christian uh, environment in Oak Cliff, Texas. Then I went to college, and very much like you, I fell away from my faith. I didn't step into a synagogue for over 20 years, and then I found my way back, and when I came back, I had a great renewed love for the Torah or the Bible, and I found wisdom in the Torah and the Bible that I never saw before when I was a child, and then I had little things happen to me like getting married, having kids, uh, almost getting killed. These things change your relationship to your faith, 
And now I am a very uh, observant uh, Jewish person, love Judaism, love my faith, love God. And uh, I'm very much at peace with all of that. But it was a rocky road. That's yeah, for sure. What advice would you give to Catherine in this situation? Oh, well, Catherine, I'm, I'm just saying it's nice at least to know that what you're going through is a normal thing to go through. Here's a quote. I was just reading one of the essays of Albert Einstein uh, that he wrote on, on morality, not about science. And he said the two things that people know is that we are constantly aware that our life is somehow purposeless, meaningless, and it causes us to despair. And at the same time, we look up to the heavens, to the sky, and we see the stars, and we see the cycle of the planets and of the sun and the moon, and we understand that there's this enormous design around us, and in our minds, we see design as equating to meaning. And he said, as a scientist looking at the subatomic world, you can't look at the subatomic world and not see that there is design and meaning there too. So, as people, we are torn between these two poles of feeling the hopelessness, meaningless, meaninglessness, purposelessness of our day-to-day existence, even reading the newspaper and feeding the cats, which I adore, and sensing this larger design around us. And the line, the, the tension between those two is our faith. And that changes throughout our life as we balance between meaninglessness and finding our connection to the design that holds everything together. And, and so you're, you're riding on, on a path that I think a lot of people walk. So don't be depressed about that. You're, you're perfectly normal. But I want to just mention this first question. How do I handle my mom's concern? This, this is a huge problem. I think as you become more secure in your doubt, it would be nice to honor your mother's concern. Uh, just think of that commandment, one of those big 10 commandments, uh, honor your father and mother. She's very concerned about you losing your way. I think by demonstrating your honor to your mother and your respect to your mother, you could still keep your thoughts independent. You could still keep your searching independent in your mind, but do what you can to honor your mother and that'll help that situation. And uh, What does that mean, though, honoring your mother? I think it means that when you go home and your mom wants to sit and pray at, at dinner or the meal, don't just go with the flow. Right. If she wants to go to church, go to church with her. Just be with her because I got to tell you, again, Catherine, you're going to reach a point in time where you will lose your mom. And you won't be able to spend these moments with her. And it is a precious gift to be able to share faith with another person. And and connecting directly to your second question, you, you want advice about dealing with faith and doubt. The essence of faith is doubt. Everywhere throughout the Bible, it is a commentary of doubt, not of certainty. The ones who are certain in the Bible are Pharaoh. He's certain. But Moses He leads his whole people to the brink of the Red Sea, and then he hesitates. Jesus is saying, why have you forsaken me? And in his walking at Gethsemane and his doubt at Gethsemane, why has this fallen to me? You read any of the Psalms, they ask so many profound questions. Uh, And just to mention this, David, you know, because I am Jewish, do you know what Israel means? 
Uh, I used to know from Sunday school, but I don't recall. It means he who wrestles with God. That's right. I remember because in a dream, was it Jacob that literally wrestled with God? That is absolutely right, and Jacob's name was changed to Israel. So the natural state of faith is doubt. So I embrace doubt. Because remember, doubt is nothing more than that tightrope that Einstein was talking about. The, the tightrope between feeling that life has no meaning at all and the belief that there is meaning everywhere. Uh, and, and so just cling to your doubt and it'll lead the way. So a little bit about me, yeah, I had a similar background to Stephen, but uh, I grew up as a Christian in a very conservative uh, Asian Christian household, and then, uh, you know, kept that faith for for most of my life. In recent years, I've uh, started questioning a lot of things. I've had a lot of doubts, because you start learning when, because when you're little, and you're told that the earth was made in seven days, and then you find out later that that's not true. And, oh, actually, that part wasn't meant to be read literally. And then it's a question of, well, what was meant to be read literally? What is actually true? Uh, you start asking those questions. I've started asking those questions. And so uh, I'm in a bit of my time where I'm very questioning of things. I'm very uh, investigative and I'm very open-minded about uh, what is true and what is not. My advice to you, Catherine, is a lot of what Stephen said, which is definitely continue your investigation, uh, continue to be independent, but yeah, honor your parents. Share their faith with them if, it, if they want you to, because that's something that's obviously hugely important to them. But ultimately, you need to decide for yourself what you believe. Uh, and you, you can't lose sight of that either. Let me second that. Let me second that. That is so important what you said, David. Everyone's spiritual trail is individual. This is one you have to do on your own. And it should be done on your own. And you, you should guard that preciously. If someone wants to be an atheist, God love them. That's what they want to be. That's fine. That's part of their journey. And if it's not part of your journey, you have to find what the right steps are for you. Definitely. Let's say you decide that you don't want to be a Christian anymore or you want to be an atheist. There is a way you can do that without being a jerk to your parents. Right, and that's that's the way we're advocating for. Should it come to that? Should it come to that? But you may come to the end of your quest and decide, hey, uh, my beliefs are more reaffirmed than ever before, and that would also be lovely as well. It's a tough balancing act, but we'd encourage you to keep at it. Which is to say, keep searching for the answers. Doubt is normal, and not only normal. Uh, sometimes it even strengthens your faith once you get to the end of it. But also keep honoring your parents, keep being good to them, uh, and hopefully uh, the outcome will be better for everyone. The only other thing I wanted to add is just that something that really helped me was a one-person show by Julia Sweeney called Letting Go of God. I believe you can buy this at her website right now. It's a two-hour one-person show where Julia Sweeney details her struggles with God and kind of uh, all the doubt and the questions that she encountered and uh, how she resolved it all. And you may not agree with everything, but it struck me as coming from a very well-informed point of view. It was an important part of my faith journey over the last few years. So I'd encourage you to check that out as a resource. So anyway, Catherine, thank you for writing in and uh, let us know how it goes. This is obviously a really big issue and we hope that our answer has helped here. All right. We also got one other email uh, this week, Stephen. This one comes from Aaron. Aaron Mm -hmm. writes, hi, I'm 17 years old and my problem is that for the past couple of years, I've been trying to find myself and who I want to be. But I have a father and an uncle that I dislike very much because of their personalities and their way of thinking. 
So that's why I have made it my goal to be the opposite of those two people. But I've given up uh, many times because I just feel like I'm them at the core and I can't change that. Is there any advice that you can give me about finding who I am but at the same time being different from them? I have a few thoughts. Aaron, I just want to say in a way this plugs into uh, Catherine's quest of faith. Finding your faith and finding, quote, who you are is an individual journey. And the thing I wanted to tell you, Aaron, is there's no you to find. There is never a point in your life where you will go, oh, this is me. This is it. Well, okay. Wait, that, that's not exactly true, Aaron, because I know that I hate parent-teacher day at school. That is something I know. In fact, that leads to an idea that is pretty much 2,000 years old from Epictetus is the way I pronounce it, or Epictetus. And that is there are only two things, Aaron, you can be sure of. And that is what you are attracted to and what you are repelled by. And as you go through life, you will have different things you find attracted to and repelled by, which will shape kind of who you are by default. But I wanted to warn you that those things change throughout your life. Everything except lying in bed with my shoes and socks off. I've liked that since I was a child. But otherwise, the things you love and the things you hate will change. And be aware that that's part of the human condition is to not know who you are. I've always had this kind of rule for myself, Aaron, that there are two ways you could approach life. You could approach life as a student or you could approach life as a master. And it's always better to approach it as a student. Always. So keep investigating. Keep searching. Finding the things you like and the things that you reject. And as you do it, it's kind of like the artist. Uh, David, do you remember the artist? They asked him how he sculpted an elephant. And he said he takes a block of granite and cuts away everything that doesn't look like an elephant. Right. That is kind of the way I find personality in life being shaped, Aaron. We cut away everything that doesn't look like Aaron. And at the end, you will be what you will be until that changes. We are not stone. We're more like water. We flow. So, hence, Aaron, <laughs> go with the flow. That's, that's what you got to do. <laughs> <laughs> well, th that's pretty good advice, Tobo. I will say that I struggle a little bit with uh, what Aaron says as well. Like when you grow up, you kind of realize there's all these characteristics that your parents have that you might not want. Yes, right? I mean, yes. it, it takes a while for that to happen. Maybe uh, it's about when you're Aaron's age, you know, when you're in your teens and you come to this realization like your whole life you've looked up to your parents – and then one day you realize, wait, I don't like the fact that my mom does this or that my dad is this way, right? And, and like my children have gone through periods of time where they hated me. And, and I, I gave them so many things that were nice and I drove them to, to play video games and I did all sorts of nice things. But they still hated me. So it's part of the formation of personality that you reject your elders, you reject your parents, and you cling on to something new, I, I think that's a natural process and a healthy one. Exactly, exactly. And if there are things that you don't like, you know, that's cool. Uh, and I would say that you should continue to nurture 
uh, that aversion to those things, especially if they're uh, objectively bad qualities. And I think, you know, it's very difficult to avoid being a certain way, but it's a lot easier if you concentrate on it. <laughs> let, me, let, so. let me bring up this one thing, David. Let me bring up this one thing. It is very difficult for people to understand other people. I want to talk about me and my father, for example. Uh, as we grew up, I always felt dad was very strict and, and had a, a temper about things and he was always under pressure and I didn't like it, Aaron. I didn't like the way dad looked at life. So I said, you know, I want to be different than my father. I want, I want to be more easygoing and I want to stop the car whenever people need to go pee and not wait till we get to the next city. You know, I, <laughs> I, will, I will accommodate my children, my family. But then, you know, as I grew older and I learned the pressures my father was under, how he never had enough money. Dad told me one-third of his patients as a doctor never paid him. And he was working all the time, hours and hours and hours, just so we could have money to go to college and go to school. And I never understood his sacrifice. I only stood the residual of his sacrifice, which was his exhaustion, his anger, his impatience. And I think as we grow older, we understand more the causes of other people's behavior and are more forgiving of the residuals of, of their behavior. Uh, that's a good point. And apparently that road trip where Stephen couldn't go to the bathroom really scarred him. <laughs> it did scar me, David. It, it scarred my bladder. But yeah, there you that's go. part of me. Indeed, indeed. All right. Um, so Are we gonna we can't end on that note. <laughs> I think we gotta. I think we gotta, Tobo. Uh, so thank you guys for writing in this week. You can write into us and potentially get your question answered at mail at bigproblemspodcast.com. Find every episode of the show at bigproblemspodcast.com. Thank you for listening. Join us on April 26th in Boston at ifbboston.org. We'll see you guys next week. Adios. <laughs> <laughs>